Welcome to the Pro Photographer Journey Podcast, your resource for building the photography business of your dreams. This is Shamira Young, bringing you tips, business strategies, and interviews with award-winning photographers. We're all in this together. Let's get to the good stuff. Hey, everybody. I'm here with Mark Silber. Now, Mark is an author a photographer, a filmmaker, and producer of the very popular YouTube series Advancing Your Photography, where he has interviewed scores of some of the biggest names in photography. Now, Mark is so awesome that he is a repeat guest on the show, not two times, at least three times, maybe four even. This may be the third or fourth time that he's been on the show. It's so funny. It's been so many times that We've lost track. <laughs> you have lost track. Isn't that amazing? But, you know, Mark, it is so wonderful to have you back on the show. Welcome. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure. I love talking to you, and I certainly love talking about the subject of creativity. You know, for sure. And it's cool because today we're going to be hitting some topics from your new book that's coming out this June 2019 yep. called Create tools from seriously talented people to unleash your creative life. That's right. This is going to be a fun one because the book covers, and I, I know you'll dive into it more for us, but the book covers the whole creative process and includes interviews with some legends of photography. That's right. And, you know, any tips that we can get from <laughs> the legends of photography is invaluable. I mean, that's why I started this podcast, you know, to talk to yeah, other cool photographers. Absolutely. So, fantastic. Well, you know, one thing I like to do, and I want to make sure and do this, even though you are a repeat guest on the show, I do want you to just briefly give an overview of yourself and your background and how you ended up doing what you're doing today for photography. Boy, that's going to be a long story, but let me boil it down <laughs> to a few paragraphs. You know, I started as a photographer when I was 12 years old. I learned how to use the darkroom. And believe it or not, I sold photographs. So that, you know, I think the definition of a professional is somebody who sells their work, yes. does it in a, a non-hobby capacity. So more or less became a professional when I was 12. I did go on to refine and hone my craft at the San Francisco Art Institute. That was the same place that Annie Leibovitz, she was a couple of years older than me, but she got her start as a photographer there as well. Hmm. And uh, from there, you know, I really was more or less self-taught, though, I've got to say. I, I really did take what I learned from these experiences but I dove into Ansel Adams' books, and I dove into Cartier-Bresson, who is really one of my heroes of photography, and just kept advancing from there. Now, many years later, I became a filmmaker. You know, the basics of photography hold true in filmmaking as far as composition and framing and all those things. So I started my show called Advancing Your Photography, where I interviewed many, many different photographers of all genres, like Joe McNally and Bambi Cantrell and Chase Jarvis, and started learning a lot from them. So I ended up writing my first book called Advancing Your Photography, which essentially I distilled my experience and the experience from many of the people that I interviewed. 
I enjoyed that so much, I decided to write another book, uh, which is about composition. And that was my, I think the last interview we did was on yes. that. Yes. Uh, basically, 83 different tools that one can use in composition. And I really have wanted to address the whole subject of creativity for a long time because, you know, if you think about it, why do we pick up cameras or why do we uh, write a story or a poem or decorate your house a certain way? There has to be some commonality behind that. And I think as photographers, we have to remember we're, we're obviously in a very creative field, but what if we can expand that creativity to other parts of our life? We get so much joy from photography. What if we can, you know, bring that to other areas? And that essentially is what led me to write this book, is kind of figure that out. So that's a real brief kind of synopsis of my history. I hope there's a lot more to it. And in fact, in the book, I tell a lot of stories about how different things occurred to me and why they happened and the meaning behind uh, discovery and that sort of thing. Interesting, interesting. And you know, one of the things that had me so excited about the book was this process of creating. I think when and I know I can certainly speak for myself, when photographers decide to go from hobbyist to pro, sometimes that process of, of creation, that creative process, and even finding inspiration can get a little bit muddled because yeah. we're just so tied down with all of the business stuff. That's the technical term I use on the show, the business stuff. The business stuff, stuff. yep. <laughs> I and know so, about that business stuff. You know, and it's any way that we can be inspired, we constantly need to be inspired. And before I forget, before we move on, for our listeners who have not, if you're tuning in and hearing Mark for the first time, he was on episode 174 where we talked about his composition book and also episode 149. There you go. We talked about getting your work out there. And so today we are, again, focusing on your book, Create Tools from Seriously Talented People to Unleash Your Creative Life. There, I said it correctly that time. You did. Perfect. So, so let's get into this book. And you've kind of touched on it a bit, but elaborate. Why is it so important for us to, to have a purpose when we're creating, when we're in the creative process? Yeah, that's really the essential ingredient you know purpose is what drives every single thing that we do whether it's to be a better parent or to run a photography business that's successful or to take a meaningful photograph behind that is the the idea that you had some kind of purpose or goal or desire that you were hoping to achieve and you know, it's the driving force that makes the difference. It's like the light switch. And purpose is more actually rather than an on-off switch. I kind of envision it like a light dimmer. Because mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, we get feeling like that purpose is really dim. And we, Why am I even doing this? I don't want to get up today at 5 a.m. to capture that first morning shot or whatever. You know, what's this all about? You know, it can get muddied up and it can get kind of blocked. But by keeping an eye on the purpose, which is really what is what purpose really means is what is it you're hoping to achieve? And if you think about what a photograph is, a photograph is just a form of communication. Mm -hmm. 
It's a visual story that you're passing along to someone else. And there can be a lot of reasons why you're, you're telling that story. And that's your purpose. So if I intend to, for instance, try to show somebody what I saw and felt at the time that I was inspired to take that photograph, which is one of the most common ways of expressing yourself is here's this, you know, uh, amazing sunrise that I got up for using that same analogy. And I want you to experience what I saw, what I felt and some kind of emotional connection. That's my purpose with that photograph. Mm -hmm. And behind everything, if we clarify purpose, it's sort of like the difference between driving a car aimlessly and you know, I'm thinking I just kind of want to get on the road and drive around and enjoy myself and having a definite purpose. Like I'm going to go to Yosemite. I want to get there and go for a hike and I'm going to climb Half Dome. You know, that's a clear cut purpose. If I have the other one where I'm just going to drive around, I could spend the whole day in the car and come away feeling pretty like, well, what was the point of that? Mm-hmm. On the other side, I feel like, wow, I've really accomplished something. And that's the difference between having a purpose and not having one. I love it. Thank and, you. And, you know, as you're talking, it's becoming more and more clear to me as I think this over how this applies to our businesses as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, let's face it. Most of the photographers who are listening to this podcast are looking for ways to improve their businesses. Mm-hmm. And even walking into every single photo session that we do with a purpose is that's paramount to success. It really is. And, you know, again, distilling those uh, amazing photographers that I interviewed, every one of them brought that up. Mm. You know, Matthew Jordan Smith, that who's awesome. a amazing portrait photographer he just brought that up you know i have to know i'm walking into this set and what i create is what's going to come out of this photo session right he's trying to create that magic he said i'm not trying to have people just look good i want them to feel good mm-hmm. and that makes it jump right off the page and you go wow there's something really special about that photograph and how you make them feel good, that's your purpose. That goes way beyond just having a, a wonderful photograph. That's like where it sparks something when you when you look at the photograph. You know, and that brings to mind, and I've shared this story before on the show, but I've had people tell me horror stories, you know, unsolicited, by the way. I don't know why people mm. feel <laughs> like they want to share, but just walking out in, in normal everyday life, you meet random people, they hear I'm a photographer, and that's when they feel compelled to share horror stories from other photographers that they've had. Sure. And one that really stood out, a woman had a wedding. And looking at the images, they were beautiful. We became friends on Facebook. I saw the images, lovely images. But mm-hmm. she didn't, her main thing was that the photographer was unpleasant to work with. Oh, During boy. the entire wedding. It was the way that photographer made her feel and her family by the way because there was an argument that happened between the photographer and some of the in-laws and it's just but the images if you just looked at the merit of those images they were lovely just love but she didn't Mm. care the first thing she said was the photographer was a nightmare to work with 
Boy. It's the way that we make them feel. And even talking to Matthew Jordan Smith, because we've had him on the show, he's got yeah. amazing stories about the purpose oh. and intent that he goes into every photo shoot with. He doesn't just say, oh, well, I've got this client booked, so it's in the bag. No, he goes no. out of his way to make them feel special, sending roses. Like it just, totally. and that gets him repeat business and referrals like crazy. Yeah, and it's that quality that you can't put your finger on, but it makes the difference between a, a, like you said, these are good photographs and a remarkable photograph that you want to go back with that photographer with. And you wouldn't think about calling up another photographer because, you know, they make you feel so good in the process. Right, right. Super important. And, you know, another thing I love about your book, because it focuses on creativity Every time we walk into a photo shoot, I personally feel like I'm going through the process of creativity. Yes. Over and over again. I know we're going to, the next we're going to talk about the cycle of creativity. Yeah. But I really want to stress to photographers, if you think you're creative, you know, I mean, we're all creative. That's cool. But <laughs> you can't get comfortable in that title because every time you walk into a photo session, it's almost like you're starting from scratch. You, you have to have ideas. You have to know the purpose and final um, goal that you have with the photos that you're trying to create. And even taking back to the weddings, taking a wedding, for example, when you walk into a wedding shoot, which is usually an all day gig, mm -hmm. hopefully you have a shot list. Oh, if you boy. know what you're doing. You but, better. Yeah, and I've seen <laughs> photographers who have not had a shot list uh -oh. and they're just kind of standing around like, what do I do? Deer in the headlights, not prepared. Oh boy. And you know, and so with this example, just you have to be creative and on point, you know, for a good eight, twelve hours. Yeah. You don't just stumble in there and, and be taken by surprise. You have to be creative. You have to get capture the photos, the memories, the lifetime memories that your client asked you for. But also, a lot of times, clients don't quite know what they want. That's why Absolutely. they come to you. Like, you're the yep. expert. And you have to be the expert in creativity, which is why this is so important. Well, you kind of led me right into what are the parts of creativity. And I can even address the whole purpose of a shot list within that, which has, has a yes. definite purpose. Okay, so there is a cycle of creativity. And if you're familiar with my book, Advancing Your Photography, these will resonate with you but at the core of creativity is what we call visualization hmm. and Ansel Adams said the whole key to a photograph is your ability to visualize and visualization comes before you even pick up a camera you have to have some kind of vision what are you what are you going for what is it that's going to make this a uh, unique photograph mm -hmm. and that visualization can come from your own inspiration one way to kind of juice up your your ability to visualize is to go look at art all the time. Mm. Go look at paintings, look at classical artists. I can't tell you how many photographers I've talked to that said this is what they do. Joey L., if you're familiar with his work, which is pretty much off the hook, studied the work of the masters. He does uh, photographs that emulate the um, sky and lighting of Rembrandt, for instance. Mm. And you're not going to get that from, you know, just thinking about it. you got to actually go look at those paintings. So visualization can definitely be increased 
by that constant looking and questioning and see how did they do it? How could I do it? So that's at the heart of the whole cycle, visualization. Then the next point is you got to know your tools. There's no question that if the camera gets in your way, like if you're ready to take the photograph and you're fumbling, right. you know, there goes that shot or it goes the whole shoot for that matter. So know your equipment cold, let it be a tool that you use and not one that you stumble across or stumble over. Yeah. Almost like an extension. It has you. to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It has to be an extension. And that just comes from practice, uh, reading manuals, better yet, get the, get somebody's, uh, uh, workbook that they've already worked out all the kinks out of it and they can guide you through it, which is a lot better than a manual. Then we get to the part of working your craft and it does no good to visualize something, know how to use your camera. And by the way, a lot of people get so stuck on equipment that they forget. It's just a means to an end. You got to get out there and work it. Mm -hmm. And the more you do, you look at these pros, they just shoot a lot. So working your craft means just get in there and do it. And that could, again, be true whether we're talking about photography or any other art form. You really have to put in that discipline. Then you get into the, the next stage, which is editing. In every art form, obviously in photography, we process our photographs. And that means you're refining it based on your either your initial visualization of it or sometimes you change in the middle. You know, You look at it and you think, wow, this would look a lot better as a black and white. Mm-hmm. And that, that comes out in your editing. And knowing your tools in terms of processing and editing. And then the final stage of this is sharing your work. Sharing doesn't mean just giving it away like on Instagram. Mm-hmm. It means putting it in the hands of somebody else. And I think there's a fantastic joy in, in selling your work. You know, we can all get likes and thumbs ups and stuff like that. But to me, the biggest compliment is when somebody buys my work. Definitely. Yeah. And that completes the whole cycle. And that goes on and on and on. Because as you improve your visualization, you improve each one of those things. As you improve your editing skills, for instance, that improves your visualization. You get a better idea of how to do it. As you learn your equipment, that helps you learn to work your craft. And so those things are very interactive. And to me, these are the five key points that occur in any creative process and for sure in photography. So just to recap, and feel free to correct me if I mess any of these up, but so as far as the cycle of creativity goes, the five steps first would be the core of it, which would be visualization, number one. And then number number two, knowing your tools. Yeah. Number three would be working your craft. So getting out and shooting a lot. A lot. And number four would be editing. Yep. And then number five would be sharing. That's, you got it. Creativity. I love it. You know, as usual, every time I have you on the show, I take like a page of notes and I've already filled up three quarters (laughs) of a page. That's great. But you know, what's so cool is you're articulating what I would previously call like that fuzzy feeling in my tummy. When I, <laughs> when I think about creativity as this, for years before I started this podcast, I thought about it as this elusive thing. Mm-hmm. And so, and I went to art school as well. 
for college. And every time I was doing a piece of art, creating a piece of art that resonated with me, whether it be sketching or doing a painting or creating great photographs, I would get this fuzzy feeling in my tummy is what I would like, just like a gut sensation, yeah. you know? And I was like, oh, that must be creativity. But joy. Yeah, the thing sure. is, when you're running a business, you do have to translate that into something practical. So I love mm. that you've broken it down into these five steps for the cycle of creativity. To me, that's how it works. And, you know, it's just every time I interview somebody, it just gets reinforced. So I believe those are accurately stated. And most importantly, they're workable, mm -hmm. you know, because any you can come up with any number of theories, but if it doesn't really work, what's the point? So I, I find that if I follow these five steps, it keeps me on track. Is there a particular step that you notice people struggle with the most in terms of photography? I think visualization, mm -hmm. um, because it can, first of all, it can be misunderstood. Does it mean every time I take a photograph, I have to stand there and think about it for a minute or two or 10 or whatever? Mm -hmm. Or can you visualize something in an instant? The truth is, yeah, you can visualize something in an instant and press the shutter. But what you don't want to do is press the shutter without that point of visualization because you're going to lose that magic moment. Mm. Now, the other side of that is what about these just incredible, spontaneous images that you were never expecting? Mm -hmm. Even there, you you know, there is a point of visualization where you had to at least put yourself in the spot and have a camera in your hands to get some idea that maybe I'm going to come away with a great photograph. So there's a whole spectrum of visualization and it also applies and I have this in the book. It applies to your your vision of yourself as a business person. Like how do I envision myself if I'm going to be a pro what do I want to do? What's what's kind of my brand going to consist of? And that's your vision. That goes that goes into your business plan and how you market yourself and how you tell people who you are. And we'll get into that a little later too. Mm -hmm. But visualization really covers the whole cycle, so it's super important. You know, I'm tempted to get into that now. <laughs> that sounds like so branding, marketing telling people what you stand for. You know, I, I see, and I, I made this mistake myself, where when I started my photography business, I thought I had vision, but I don't think I did in terms of the direction I wanted my photography business to go Yeah. and how I would brand myself. And in the beginning, I just took any and every type of gig, any type right. of client, and I did a little bit of everything. And so when you went to my website, you saw a little bit of everything. If you asked me what I did, I'd say a little bit of everything. And what I mm. found was that when people had a conversation with me about my business, they'd walk away confused. Like they couldn't tell you what I did. Totally. Or what my vision was. That's so important. You know, I talk about this concept of positioning. And positioning comes from... Uh, a book by a fabulous guy who I got to know named Al Reese. And he said, listen, people's minds are cluttered. They're just so full of things and thoughts and ideas that if you don't give them one singular thing to focus on, you just get lost. Mm. 
And every great brand has positioned itself. You know, you think Walt Disney, what do you think of? You, you know, it's like immediately got a thought, maybe it's Disneyland or maybe it's, you know, one of the cartoons, but there's a, there's this thought that you get. You have a position for Walt Disney. You have a position for that in your mind. Mm -hmm. Coca-Cola, what do we think of? You know, we immediately have a position for that brand. And it's not 10 different things. Coke right. actually made this huge mistake when they kind of transitioned off of their classic brand. It got people confused and they didn't accept it. So they canceled that whole program, went back to their basic branding but we have to do that as photographers. We have to have a position. So as you said, if you're sort of a little bit of everything, you're too, you're into the clutter mode. Mm -hmm. If you take a look at some of our greatest examples, Matthew Jordan Smith, you know, you think of his portraiture. Yeah, he takes other kinds of photographs, but you primarily, the position he holds for me is a celebrity portrait photographer who makes them like he said, feel good. Mm -hmm. Chris Burkhardt, who's another outstanding photographer that I interviewed, you know, he's got north of 3 million followers on Instagram mm -hmm. and gets to shoot for some of the most amazing brands. But he said, listen, pick a genre and really totally nail it. Pick it. that one genre. Don't jump all over the place. People have got to know who you are for your work. You know, let's say in his case, he takes uh, amazing lifestyle photographs. They're not just um, landscapes because they have people in them mm -hmm. for the most part. But there's, there's a lifestyle aspect to it. So you go, wow, that's an amazing surf shot. You know, I wish I was in Fuji, you know, in that tube. <laughs> or I wish I was up on that ski slope like that guy. It can be anywhere in the world, but he's he's really positioned himself as this, you know, capturing environmental life shots. You know, so we each have to do that. Doesn't mean you can't shoot anything you want, but in terms of your work, nail that genre. And then from there, you know, we have so many classical examples of that. That, you know, you just find what is it that you most want to be known for that brings you the most joy and and totally master it. That would be my first tip as far as branding yourself. And then tell people that's what you are. <laughs> right, right. And then show that relevant work on your website, on your and online show portfolio. It. One of the exactly. biggest mistakes I've seen people make is, and again, I, I did this too, where you put everything on your on your online portfolio, on your website. The thing is, the work that you show is usually the work that you're going to get if you're any good. Right. And so, I mean, I've had, I myself would get frustrated trying to get more portrait work when I'd get other stuff that I really wasn't interested in. And then I realized looking at my, reviewing my portfolio, I had the odd shot of some auto stuff and mm -hmm. some other stuff. And it was like, <laughs> well, no wonder I'm getting people asking about this stuff. Yeah. When... I have it up on my website, you know, it's, it, and I understand when you're out shooting, you take photos of all kinds of stuff, you know, especially for fun. So I may have mm -hmm. the odd shot of a car that I like, but that's not really the work I'm trying to get at this right, time. Exactly. So there's a place in time for that. And some tips I've heard, even if you have the odd shot that you really like, sometimes you can just share it on your blog, 
you know, just as a fun little aside. Exactly. You just, you kind of decide where you want to show that, but that might be different than your professional work for sure. Totally. And you know, so I kind of want to jump to chapter nine in your book Mm. where you talk about taking long walks and adventures. Mm -hmm. Can you kind of dive into what that is and why that's important? Yeah, it's so important because especially in today's world where we're on screens all the time and we're looking at computers or we're looking at our phone or we're, you know, we're kind of scrunched in. It's so important to get out and reset and get away from all that stuff. And walks are just an easy therapeutic process that you can do anywhere. Uh, I am a huge believer in, in the power of walking. And when I researched this chapter, I was amazed. I, I knew that it was beneficial and valuable, but I didn't know some of these things that I found out until I actually was writing this chapter, which is one of the things I like about being an author, is it gives me the opportunity to really dive in and find out all about whatever it is. So walking, it turns out, has been a therapeutic process for as long as people have been around. There was a study done at Stanford University in 2014, and they found that people, they tested them in terms of creativity. They had, I'm not gonna get into how they did that, but they found out that by just taking a walk, you could increase your creativity by 60%. Wow. How amazing is that? 60%. Okay, you know, you get stuck sometimes. And the most therapeutic thing that you could do is just step away from the computer, step away from the camera, and go out and take a walk. I pretty much take good long walks every single day. Take my my uh, faithful golden retriever with me. She (laughs) makes me go on a walk. And if I forget it, she'll come and bark at me. Pretty amazing. There's a quote in here I put in here from Thomas Jefferson. He said, the object of walking is to relax the mind. Divert your attention by the objects surrounding you. Walking is the best possible exercise. Habituate yourself to walk very far. What you don't want to do is take a walk and then talk on the phone or look at your phone because you're you're really kind of (laughs) losing the, the value. But... I can't tell you how many times I've been inspired. And my walks, by the way, can range anywhere from a 20-minute walk to 30 days is probably my record. 30 days of walking? 30 days of walking. I was a mountaineering instructor. And we would go out on 30-day expeditions teaching uh, people. Yeah, that's a long time. We don't all have 30 days to go out on a walk. But... Uh, even (laughs) short walks, you don't have to have a 30 day walk, but even short walks produce an amazing change. And so I call it an investment. Hippocrates said, walking is man's best medicine. You know, it's interesting, people recovering from illnesses or operations or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, the object, they know this, the object is get that person up and doing some form of walking as soon as they can. Right. So as creatives, just remember that. Don't, don't wait until you're frustrated and you're ready to tear your computer and throw it out the window or yell at somebody. You know, put it in a, your part of your daily routine. 
you know, and I would even go so far to say, I love that, by the way, going out for a walk. But, you know, it's funny that you mentioned people going through surgery or illness. I'm just coming off of a hip injury Ah. that I haven't talked too much about it on the show. And I'll probably do an episode on it. But um, for months and months, I I couldn't walk Mm -hmm. like a normal person. And that was one of the things I missed was going out for my 30 minute walks because that is where I would get the most inspiring ideas. And so in the interim of just in the process of healing from that injury, I'd get out and drive. I couldn't walk. So I drive, you know, I'll let the car be my legs and I could continue that process of having that creative process of having ideas for where I wanted my business to go when I got better or where I want to take this podcast. And my husband would laugh at me. He's like, so you just go out and you'll drive for like 45 <laughs> minutes. Where are you going? <laughs> it's not where I'm going. It's the process of driving, you know, it's exactly. that journey. And exactly. all that to say, you know, going out on some type of long walk or adventure or anything that gets you creative and, and just that helps you relax your mind. That absolutely goes a long way. And in the long run, helps your business be more sustainable, really. Absolutely. And, you know, Steve Jobs used uh, walking as a way to conduct business meetings. And it really works. You know, instead of putting somebody in a kind of a sat environment in a boardroom or whatever, he would he would meet up with them and they take these long walks and uh, try it sometime. You know, if you have a client that you really want to get engaged with, it's it's pretty amazing because it it sort of removes all these artificial barriers mm-hmm. and puts you out into a much more transparent, easy uh, mode of communicating and getting along with somebody. I highly recommend that. So cool. So cool. So the next thing I do want to touch on, so the people listening, you know, may think, well, <laughs> creating in the process of creation and being inspired and visualization and taking long walks and adventures and all that sounds well and good and great, but I've got no time. Yeah. Maybe they've got kids and you know, so you've got the family life and then the business life and there never seems to be enough hours in the day. How do we make time for this? How do we start to incorporate this bit by bit into our daily life? Well, that's such a key ingredient that I wrote a whole chapter about it. Because uh, I knew that this is probably the biggest single barrier that people run into is mm-hmm. I just don't have time. And if you stop there, that's a dead end. There's there's no door that opens. This quote, is it's unknown. I tried to trace it down, but it's apparently an unknown author. It's not about having time. It's about making time. Mm. If it matters, you will make time. But I didn't just leave it at that. I actually thought, let's get into some of the mechanics of this. So I actually worked out a sample budget of time. And if you kind of think about, you know, if you're running your finances, you should you should have a budget. You shouldn't just be randomly spending money here and there. you got to keep it within certain parameters. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to save up for a piece of equipment, or a trip to Europe or whatever, you know, you budget your your expenses and your income and hopefully have something left over. And the same thing can be true with time. So I give you examples, not that you should rigidly follow this, but you can actually work out your time budget 
And I've worked out a sample budget, which pretty much includes all the different things that you'd want to take care of. And on a minimum basis, you should have about two hours and 50 minutes left over if you budget it out correctly. Now, if you burn that two hours and 50 minutes lying on the couch, <laughs> eating potato chips and watching TV, well, there goes your creative time. Oh, Netflix. Yeah. There's Netflix. <laughs> you know, I do a little bit of that too, but you have to put your priorities there. Mm-hmm. So what I recommend for people is actually, by the way, we haven't mentioned this, but at the end of every chapter, there's kind of a summarizing series of questions that I ask people. And I want them to kind of get sort of almost like the idea we're we're doing a one-to-one here. And I'm asking you these questions and letting you think about it. Mm-hmm. Like at the end of this chapter, I say, list three excuses for not having time to create. And I ask for excuses because they're kind of like, if you can bring them out into the open and put them in the light of day, a lot of times they'll, they'll vanish. You know, so we, we all have these excuses. We might as well face up to it. So I have you list them out and actually write them down. But one of the things um, I talk about after the summarizing steps, there's application steps. I want the change to occur which will only occur when you do something. I don't want this to be some sort of intellectual thought process. I want it to be, I am gonna make these changes in my life. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I have you do is write out your own budget, your own time budget. And then you can see from that what you have left over. And you can then use that as your dedicated creative time and hopefully as you go along with that, you'll actually be able to carve out more and more. Now, as photographers, you know, professional photographers, we're really fortunate because our work time is our creative time. Mm-hmm. But even within that, you know, you, you touched upon this. We can let the business end of things overshadow things a little too much sometimes and forget that running a business itself can be a creative process True. and should be. Mm-hmm. So we kind of work that in there. But uh, to me, this is the most important thing is just really putting some kind of a framework there and following it. And I invite people to actually print this out, put it in their studio and refer to it often. And, you know, I'm sitting here looking at the at the sample time budget and mm. it's very detailed and mm-hmm. it's cool because we often think about creating a budget for our finances. But how many of us think about creating a budget for our time? Exactly. We're in an age where there are more distractions than ever. And we have we're losing seconds and minutes and hours doing things that we don't even realize, like laying around scrolling through Facebook or Instagram or spending hours, you know, and and, and it just goes by and we don't even realize it. Or even the little tiny things. You know, I get frustrated when I'm trying to focus because I'll start I'll get phone calls and text messages and then Facebook messages and then emails and then another email saying, why didn't you reply to my email that I just sent 10 minutes ago? It's like, (laughs) you know, you have to really focus on how to focus (laughs) these days. Is that true? That's a good quote. Focus on how to focus. And that is really the key to this. It's (laughs) again, it goes back to what we talked about at the beginning, your purpose. You know, if you have that purpose, you want to be creative. Let's face it. It's going to take some work. It is. And, to work 
at anything, you have to have the time allocated for it, whether it's making a fantastic meal and, you know, serving it to your friends is a whole creative process. That's sharing right there. Mm -hmm. Or raising children is a hugely, should be a, a very creative process and encouraging them in ways that will help them become creatives as well. I could write a whole book about that, and I, who knows, I may. Uh, I have some very creative kids that I'm really proud of, and there's. I talk about some of the things I did in raising those kids, mm -hmm. and I, I think it's very helpful to kind of keep your eye on those things. That sounds interesting. If you write that book, let me know. I will. I'll have you on again. <laughs> I interviewed, one of the people I interviewed was David Campbell, who mm -hmm. happens to be the father of Beck, the artist. Mm-hmm. And um, he mentioned how he was able all actually has three children. They're all extremely creative. And David Campbell, uh, I forget the exact number, it's something like 435 albums that he's produced or, or uh, been a part of that have been uh, gold or better. That's kind of amazing. Wow. Just wow. a lot of creativity in this family. And one of the things he talks about is, and it's in the book, is how to how to foster that creativity with your children. Mm. Very mm -hmm. important. That's huge. That's huge. Wow. This is so this interview's flying by. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I feel like that happens every time I have you on the show. Awesome. Well, you know, Mark, as we come to the end of this interview, I do want to make sure folks know where to find your book and again when it's coming out. Can you give us those details? Sure. You can always go to my website, and that's silverstudios.com. Make sure you spell it with a B. It's B as in boy, silverstudios.com. That'll lead you to everything that I've got. So the books are on there. You can also, if you go to Amazon, just type in Mark Silber, M-A-R-C-S-I-L-B-E-R. -E you'll also bring up my books that way. You can go to YouTube and also type in Mark Silber, and you'll bring up my YouTube channel. But again, if you go to my website, you'll see a link at the top to YouTube and Instagram and everything else that you might want to have a look at. So that's if you just remember Mark Silver, you're in good shape and you can, <laughs> you know, then find me from uh, all these different channels that I've got. And when does your book create come out? We're discussing that, but I'm we're looking at uh, this point at the end of June. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's really relatively soon, right around the corner. It really is. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Well, you know, Mark, as usual, this has been a fantastic discussion. And your insight into the nuts and bolts of photography and just the creative process behind that is really cool and inspiring. So just thank you for chatting with us today. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity. I always enjoy talking with you, and I really feel... It's so important to bring these different points to light because, as you said, you can get that tingly feeling. Right. Yep. But that doesn't necessarily identify what, what's going to make that tingly feel stay there or come back when I want it. So right. that's what I try to do is really pinpoint those actions that you can take. Love it. If you're enjoying this podcast, I ask that you please leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you're listening. The more reviews we get, 
the easier it is for people to find this podcast and search rankings. We want to reach as many people as possible and help improve our photo industry. I appreciate you all. Thanks for listening.